It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the show. It is Monday, December 19th, 2022, and it is episode 356. Joined once again by my man, Kyle Klingman, up in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Kyle, how the heck are you? I'm doing good. Our guest today lived in Cedar Falls for three years, so I'm awful proud of that. I know he knows where this is. He's not going to butcher the name like you do. I said Cedar Falls, didn't I? <laughs> no. did, I did I say I Cedar know. Falls today? What did I say? Where, what is what is the name? Cedar I don't think Falls. I've ever messed up the name. I think I've, every time I've called it Cedar Falls. Cool. All right, without further ado, let's bring him on. I'm pumped for this one. It's, it's head coach at University of Nebraska, Mark Manning. Mark, how the heck are you today? Really good. Really good, Bader. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, you bet. Um, Kyle. Yep, yep. You know Kyle probably longer than I have, so good, good for you guys. Uh, Mark, I just want to kind of like run the gamut. We don't have to get nitty gritty into everything, but I kind of want to just, just kind of get your story. Like, how did you get introduced to wrestling? What were your first couple of years of wrestling like? How old were you? What was that experience like? Well, it goes way back. I I grew up on a farm with ten other brothers and sisters. So what? in the tenth, and so. Uh, we, we grew up wrestling, getting up to the dinner table every day. But uh, no, we my my older brothers wrestled and just got into wrestling. And, and uh, you know, they were great role models for me and uh, growing up. And I just wanted to get in the sport. I was competitive. Just it was it's just great fit for me. And um, I loved it and played football and all that stuff in, in high school and then and then then got heavily recruited actually and then yeah ended up at Nebraska transferred after my first year went to UNO and and uh kind of the rest is history just got into coaching I knew I wanted to wrestle I wrestled after college uh till I was about 31 and then coached at North Carolina for eight years and then just off and running yeah Okay, let's hold. I did ten brothers and eleven children. Is that right? Ten brothers and sisters. Yeah, you're number ten, man. I can't eat. Yeah, yeah wrestling to get to the dinner table probably. I mean, are, is there broken furniture? Six boys, five girls. What? Six boys, five girls. Did so? Did, my dad just uh, kept having kids until he had free, a lot of free work hands. <laughs> so he was like the Vince Lombardi of farming. So. Uh, we, we we worked our butt off up early and did chores before school and all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. My dad grew up on a farm, so I've I've, I've heard some of the stories. Um, <laughs> what kind was it? Was it dairy? Were there cows? Were there chickens? What what, what, uh, what do you a lot about of the cattle? Farm? A lot of we we had my two oldest brothers still farm our farm and they farm about forty five hundred acres of corn, soybeans, and and they have some cattle too. And we always had cattle. We always had. Yeah, we had a lot of stuff going on. We had garden, we had chicken, we had it all, man. We uh, there's no, no rest for the weary, weary, right? Right. You, you, we, you, we were always busy. 
Yeah, and I heard this like it doesn't matter. You can't take it. You can't call in sick. There's like, there's nobody else to do it. You don't fit too bad. Get out there and, and do the work. Um, it, it's got to get done one way or another. Give me, give me maybe your favorite or something you liked about the farm and like least favorite or something that you disliked or was, you know, that you're just like, God, I wish we didn't have to do this from, from a perspective well, when you were growing uh, up. Yeah. Well, well, when you're the 10th of 11, you know, and, and your dad probably can relate to this, you know, growing up on a farm, you know, what runs downhill and that's <laughs> the type of jobs you get, you know, all that stuff that runs downhill, you get <laughs> And so, you know, I grew up in South Dakota, about three hours north of here. So, you know, it's not, it, it, it definitely not Tallahassee, Florida. So it, it's cold. You're doing chores. I hated the cold. Uh, still hate the cold. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is that way. But it's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a grind. Farming's a grind. It's an everyday thing. And once you... When you have livestock, you have all that stuff. Um, you know, you have greater appreciation when you get older for the values and the the lessons you learned on the farm. But but when you're a teenager, you know, you can't wait to get off the farm. And that's what I I couldn't wait to go, boom, get off to college. I'm not gonna be a farmer. And uh, but I have great appreciation for all the lessons I learned and or my, you know, my mom and dad are great people and just, it, it's really good. And I'm really appreciative of my brother's farming. So it's cool. Sweet. Uh, as far as wrestling, right. You said you, you, maybe some of your older siblings wrestled and you played football and, and maybe other sports going, but like, at what yeah. point did, did it like grab you, right? You, you've made a career, a life thus far out of wrestling at, you know, at what point did it go from a sport to like, a full-on investment, a personal investment, and something like you, you had a passion for and you're, you're going to dive all into? Well, growing up uh, in, in South Dakota, you can wrestle as – if you you can wrestle high school at 7th and 8th grader. So I made the varsity team as a 7th and 8th grader. Oh, wow. I was just, you know, and so that's kind of where just really grabbed me, kind of what you're talking about. That's where it really grabbed me. And – um engulfed me i would say right and I, I and i was all in i was all in you know i remember you know cutting an godly amount of weight when i was in eighth grade to to 105 and and i would just run through the wall i'd do anything it took so that's where it kind of grabbed me once i once i got a little taste of it and wrestling uh on the varsity team and high school you know it's it's a big deal you know yeah. I thought it was a big deal, you know, but it wasn't really a big deal. But you you don't know when you're only in your own little world. But that's kind of where it grabbed me. And then off and running, I knew I wanted to coach. And I had really good high school coaches. And and then, you know, Mike Denny being a uh, – he, he was a great mentor for me, you know, at UNO. And, and the rest is history. I knew I always wanted to coach. And I, you know – you take different principles and values that your your mentors and the people that you look up to, uh, the impressions they live leave on you, and then try to try to make it your own. Yeah. So you said you know you went you went on to Nebraska before before going to UNO. Why did you go to Nebraska, yeah. and, and why did you only stay a year? Well. It was pretty easy at the time. My dad's a farmer, no nonsense. Iowa recruited him. I really wanted to go to Iowa. Dan, I've told this to Dan Gable a long time ago. I really wanted to go to Iowa. I grew up watching Iowa public television. So I watched every Iowa, Iowa State match. And I, you know, I probably knew every guy's record. I knew what they probably weighed in at five days before. <laughs> I followed it heavily, right? Yeah. And so I was a wrestling geek and and so I loved it. And uh Randy Lewis wrestled my one of my brothers in high school, their senior year. And Randy kind of put a good word in for me. And I, there was a lot of other schools recruiting me, but I really wanted to go there. I thought I could fit in there. And they only offered like 40% of scholarship. Nebraska had offered a full ride. It was pretty 
decision that my dad, I remember that night, I got off the phone with Gable and my dad said, hey, what did he say? He said, Nebraska's offered you a full ride. It was about 15 seconds. The decision was made. He, you're going to Nebraska. There's no no choice, you know? Wow. So, you know, it, it, a lot different, you know, in the 80s than it is now, you know, different things to consider. And, yeah, so it just it is what it is, so. How, how, when your dad said, so you essentially it sounds like your dad made that decision and, and understandably like the financial side, right? I, I get it. Yes. Um, but, yeah. but how did you take that? Was it okay, no problem. Or, or were you crushed or were you slightly upset or, or anywhere in between? No, I just, I just did what my dad told me, man. I just <laughs> boom, yeah. like a soldier, you know, that's yeah. how, so I mean, just, Hey, he he's the boss man. So he, you know, I just did it. You know, yeah. so online. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then, why why did you decide to to head over to UNO after a year? Well, that's that's the 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 lessons in in recruiting is you don't know really what you don't know, right? And so, what I didn't know was, um, how the culture was here, how the, you know, Bob Fears was the coach here. He took over. He, I think he was here a couple of years before I got here and it was just a uh, different philosophy than I was used to, I would say, and different way to do things. And so actually Jim and Bill Shear, we were all seniors in high school. We all came here. I actually room with Jim and different, uh, different experience, I would say to say it tactfully. Sure. And so I, I, uh, yeah, I, you know, I didn't, I, I, lo- I wanted a different change, I guess, at the end. And it was for the better. And then I end up at UNO. I looked at a bunch of other programs, actually, Missouri, UNI, uh, Iowa State. Anyway, yeah, so I ended up at UNO. So I loved it. Sure. My uh, it was good fit for me. So Yeah, and Den- Denny was there till the end, right? He was the coach that had all the success. Yes, and and Mike Denny also had Roy Oliver, who was training there, who who had beat Lee Kemp, had beat Dave Schultz along the way, and Roy is a four-time All-American at Arizona State, and but he grew up in Omaha. Um, and Roy was super. I worked out with him all the time. I worked out with one of my best friends, Ryan Kaufman, who the Kaufman brand open is oh, named wow. after, and Ryan was. Yeah, Ryan and I were really tight, one of my best friends. And so I had great workout partners. And and so another young man, Billy Wolford, who's ended up being a high school coach here in, in Nebraska, was around. So I had a lot of good workout partners and I had good people. Brad Hildebrandt, Omaha Scott coach, who coached Thomas Gilman. Brad was on my team. We worked out every day. So, you know, a lot of but just great relationships that are kind of lifetime relationships. Yeah. Um, tell me about coach Denny. Cause he's, he's an, he's an interesting person to me because you yeah. know, had all the success. I mean, winning probably more titles than they were at the end, but w- what drew you there from him and maybe why was he able to have so much success over such a long period of time? And then I think it went to Maryville and, and saw the same or a similar success. Yeah. Yeah, the reason why Coach Denny had success one, he he's he's uh he's a very spiritual guy. He's he's great, he's uh he's a man of his word. So when you when you when you're around him, you know he's speaking the truth to you. You knew that he's shooting you straight, he kn- you knew that he was in your corner. Um and and then he had other people that had like-mindedness, like, you know, like Roy, like Harry Gaylor was a longtime assistant there. Ronnie Higdon was a longtime assistant there for him. And and you had guys like that he kept around, Ryan Kaufman and and Billy Wolford and and Greg Wilcox. And and so he he surrounded himself with a lot of good people. And uh they were all like-minded and and uh just it was about the relationship. And so, you know, you, you, 
you build off uh, off of trust and building that relationship. And those guys did a terrific job. And and Coach Denny was the leader of that, you know. And and uh, his message was always good. And he was always such a positive force. I would say, very positive coach, right? Yeah. And so he he uh, you know he probably struggled different times, but he never let the team know it, right? And so he, he, he was great at that. And he just, he led by example. And uh, that's something I really admire. Sure. Um, I know about their success in, in like the 2000s. What was this, you know, when you were an athlete, what kind of success were they having? And, and was he preaching like, we're going to build something special or a dynasty or, or did he, did he lay out the vision to what it, what it became? Um. Well, I, I think he just he got the pieces that he knew that that uh, that would fit. Um, but I he. You know, North Dakota State was really dominant during those years, too. Right. Okay. And so North Central Conference was called North Central Conference, South Dakota State, North Dakota State. Both had great teams and, you know, it was always a dogfight with those guys. And so. And and really on the national scene, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, Bakersfield. Okay, so I'm going back a few years, right? Yeah, sure. So Cal State Bakersfield, I remember they had five All Americans one year, and, and and Division One. I mean, and so SAU Edwardsville had a lot of good teams too. So you knew if you got through the conference that you 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 know you were going to do well at uh, Division Two national tournaments. So we were well prepared that way just because of the competition. And then um, he, he just recruited well, he, he attracted good people there. And then, you know, the name of the game is just, you know, putting in the work, putting in the work and um, having the right pieces. And hmm. uh, he didn't really talk too much about dynasty or anything, but, we, you know, it's just, you get competitive guys on your team. I don't think you have to talk about it too much mm-hmm. when you have competitive guys on your team, you know, Mark Rigatuso, you know, uh, he, he, you know, he was a stud. He, he only weighed 205. He was two-time All-American Division One at heavyweight. Wow. You know, he beat Tab Thacker two times. Now that, that guy is a big biscuit now. <laughs> Tab Thacker, he, he you know. I mean, my man is not on the lean cuisine uh, diet, right? Uh, <laughs> he ain't doing Weight Watchers commercials. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so, you know, Mark Rigatuso is a stud, man. Couple-time Division II national champ. And and so we had good guys on our team. And and uh, when you have competitive guys, the, the, the rest just takes over. And I think... Uh, that's why we had good. We just had a great team atmosphere, and Coach Denny was our leader, and it was a lot of fun days, a lot of fun times. Sure, and I, a lot gets said about your your coaching career, but you were a two time Division two national champion, which which is very impressive. When you when you finished wrestling and you did get into coaching, was there a goal like? which, you know, maybe the end goal is maybe you didn't know Nebraska, but it was like, I want to get to a big program and, and become the head coach. And was there a vision at the beginning or was it just like, Hey, I'll take the job I need to get. And if I can get a little bit better job eventually, great. Yeah. You know what? It, it's a, it's interesting just seeing young people nowadays. Uh, I'm probably going to get out of the realm here a little bit, but right. RTC is a big deal. So when when I when I had opportunity when I graduated from college, Penn State, Arizona State, Bobby Douglas, Penn State, and North Carolina were the three schools that I were going to go. I was going to go and get my master's. I was married at the time, and I was looking at those three schools. And if I went to Arizona State, which Sunkiss Kids, I wrestled for Sunkiss Kids. Roy Oliver, I already had a connection with Bobby Douglas and also with Art Martori. Um, I didn't really know Art at the time, but Bobby was kind of my in there through Roy. And then I was looking at 
getting my master's there or at Penn State. I really liked that situation a lot. And and then and then North Carolina with Bill Lamb, who was hired would have hired me more like, like as an assistant coach. And so uh some different choices there. And I think uh for my wife and I at the time, the best choice was North Carolina. And Coach Lamb really took a chance on me. I got my master's there. I wrestled after college. So I had a ton of opportunities in that eight-year period to go and coach at other places. Uh, least four or five schools. I won't name them all. Sure. But, um, and four of those were, were to be a head coach at a smaller school's but I didn't do it because it wasn't in my best interest. Um, probably in the long run, just because I leaned, leaned on Bill Lamb to, for advice. Yeah. And I wasn't making any money. <laughs> Nobody was right back then. Hardly. I I can't. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. I made $10,000 for six years. I made 12,000 the next two years, a year. Yeah. It's sad. So anyway, it is what it is. But my point, my story is guys are making that in, in one month in RTC right now. Now people say, well, that was 1980s or right. Or early nineties, but it, it doesn't matter. The amount of work I was doing was insane, but I was passionate. I had a goal. It wasn't like, Hey, how much money and what is it in for me? It was more about, Hey, I had a coaching opportunity. I had a guy, Bill Lamb, that I respected. I coached underneath. He taught me a lot. And um, and I'm so grateful for that opportunity. But absolutely, I look back and say, man, I could have been here. I could have been there. I could have been here. I could have been making more money. But that wasn't the goal. The goal was to be in a, uh, the best position. And I had someone that was older and more experienced giving me advice and I respected that advice rather than just did what I thought. Right. Yeah. And so I think, you know, people like, well, how'd you get to Nebraska? Well, <laughs> it was a tough road. Sure. So I went there and then I got, I was national development director at for USA wrestling for about six months. Jack Spates went from Cornell, got the Oklahoma job hired me as his assistant. So I left USA wrestling because I was worried about getting out of college, you know, not being around college wrestling. Yeah. So I got back in at OU. I was there four years. And then, you know, that opened the door for me to get head coaching job at Northern Iowa. So what I did along the way was a lot of sacrifice, you know, which a lot of people don't do these days. It's like, Hey, I graduate from college I want to be at RTC, pay me 80 grand. <laughs> yeah. I want to get into coaching too. Well, when you're competing and, you know, it's a tough deal. It's just a, you know, people would probably say, you know, hey, wow, it's so much different now than then. It's still training. I still had to train. You know, I, I wrestled all over the world. You know, I, I wrestled seven, eight years after college. So it wasn't like I wasn't going to the U.S. Open. I wasn't going over to Turkey. I was going to Cuba, Russia. I mean, so it's, it's, um, but it wasn't the number one guy. So that's why, you sure. know, my name wasn't like Nate Carr, wasn't Kenny Monday, you know? Yeah. Those yeah. guys were better and, and, and a lot more talented and they're really great at their craft. So I was always fighting you know, to, to get up there. Do you feel like you understood that at the time that, Hey, I am going to stay here because I'm learning a lot from Bill Lamb on, on coaching, on how to be an effective coach and how to be a better coach, not just probably how to show technique, but everything else that encompassed the realm of yeah. coaching. And then, and then Jack Spates and yeah, did you, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, how to manage a roster, you know, how to manage scholarships, all that stuff. Coach was really great with that. Taught me how to recruit, 
where to go, gave me opportunities to do all that and uh, just opened up a whole new world for me, you know, where, um, you know, maybe being a young whippersnapper and you're 28 and you say, okay, I'm going to be the head coach at wherever I, I won't say there on the East coast, but, and, and thinking I, I know how to recruit. I know how to do this or that, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a one, it's a big privilege. And two, it's uh it's not as easy as, as you think. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I think Newman, I believe was the coach before you at Nebraska and that, that job opened up and you had been, you were the head coach at you and I, did you feel like you were ready for the next step at that time? Like, Hey, I'm ready to take on a, a big time program and, and lead them. And, and well, I just asked that. And we're, I guess I will. Let, and were you surprised at all when you got the call? Like, they're giving you this job if you uh, want. Not, not really, because I, I mean, North Carolina. We had a lot of success uh, there at North Carolina. Um, I mean, we were buying all these for top ten. I think four of the eight years I was at North Carolina, we were top ten school. Uh, won the ACC almost every year. Um, and OU, we had good success at Northern Iowa. Like Kyle said, mentioned earlier, we, we finished 11th our last year. Um, I, I kind of knew what it took, so I wasn't shocked or overwhelmed. I was, I was prepared. Yeah. I was prepared. I, I knew, I mean, it was not a big deal. It's just a, it's. It's it's a place where you want to make your home. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make, if it was Nebraska, I wanted to make Nebraska my home. And so, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, a long journey there, but it, it was tough. Tough the, the first the first four months, maybe, maybe if Northern Iowa at the end of the summer after I got the job would have offered me a scholar, offered me a position back, I would have taken it. Because it was a nightmare, my first four or five months here. Why? What took was over probation? Well, because I took over a probation program. Okay. Down to scholarship, we were sanctioned. It was not fun. A lot of negativity. It was not fun at all. It was it was horrible. As Terry Brands or Steve Hamilton or Tolly Thompson, yeah, those guys are, were all my assistants at the time, and it was it was it was tough sledding. We had a lot of you know, one step forward, eight steps back type thing every week. So it was not easy. And so, lot, yeah, so it was, um, yeah, won't get too much into every detail, but it was, it was tough, tough times. Sure. It was, it, it was tough. You said maybe those, those first four months that they'd offer you, you'd be like, yeah, I'll go back to Northern Iowa. Cool. I, this is, uh, well, at, we, well, we had great, we had, we had, we started seeing, the success that we we put in all the labor and we had the number one recruiting class in the country at northern iowa we had really good guys coming in and um and we had some guys coming back on the team that we were really excited about so we we had it kind of rolling there you know and so we were really super excited and then i come here and it was almost the opposite opposite uh you know it wasn't yeah, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was just the complete opposite. I sure. left from positivity to negativity. And so, <laughs> you, you know, people, oh, Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. That wears off real quick. <laughs> that wears off in about 10 seconds. And then reality sets in, you know? And so, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just life. It's just life. Life is great because it's a lot like wrestling. You know what? Hey, you probably not, you know, you're not the best in all 50 states when you come out of high school. Of course. And 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 when you're a four-time state champ or something, you say, I'm the best in the best in my state. I should get a full ride. Well, <laughs> hang on. You know, are you the best in all 50 states? You know, and that's that's just reality. But the, people don't know what they don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. When did the, so if you came into like a, maybe no lights, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel on that. When did the clouds start to lift? 
right? And you felt like, okay, comfortable, if that's the right word, or or more invigorated. When when is it like, okay, the dust is settled, we the negativity is gone, th- we got the ship steering in the right direction, now we just have to put, you know, put down the throttle. Like, when did it seem like things were, okay, clear, cl- we're cleared for takeoff? <laughs> well, probably once our season started, just because... Then you, you block all those things out and you just focus on the guys on the team and how, you know, what their goals are and what you have to do to, to help them reach those goals. So really just really the season that year, I think was more, and then, you know, just getting, getting kids interested in coming here to, to Nebraska and just all the, the excitement around our program from that standpoint. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, I want to tell a quick story and see if you remember this. And, and I'm curious your reaction. And I, I want to apologize in advance because I was on the antagonistic end here. Um, so I graduated from Missouri in 03 and around 06 or 07 or something like that. Nebraska comes to wrestle and I'm, I'm back in the stands as a fan. And a lot of coaches get animated. You're a very animated coach. There's no doubt about that. And and I think Askren might have been – he was still competing. He might have been the one whose idea this was. But they printed out your face um, on, on a piece of paper. And we, we had popsicle sticks. And we – I don't know. There was 50 of them, 100 of them that they gave out. And they said every time Ma- – yes. Every time Manning stood up to argue or whatever, just at the end, it was any time he stood up at all, we all put the sticks in front of our faces and yell, wah, 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 wah. And it was at Missouri. I'm wondering if you remember that and if, and if I, when you became aware of it and how you thought to be like, oh, my God, like, I have to ignore this because I have to coach. But these freaking guys. <laughs> no, it's, I, rem- I do remember now that now that you say that and brand, brought it up. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, th- I thought it was probably Ben Askren, maybe as an <laughs> imposter out there, you know, in the stands. But. No, uh, yeah, I remember that. I just laughed that stuff off. Really, sure. it's it doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, that's Girl. just that's how crowd gets into it, and that's all part of the fun, right? Right. There might there might have been a couple of beer bottles and something in the stands too. I don't, I can't remember for sure. But um, okay. I mean, there's so much to go through, and we could we could we could drill into your coaching career forever. But obviously, there's there's this one guy you coached who's had a decent amount of success, right, Jordan? Um. And, and I guess I could ask you a hundred questions about him, but when did you think this guy is ready to win a, a world title right now? Because if, if I remember correctly, going into his senior year, it was like, how? Andrew Howe, Jordan Burroughs, Andrew Howe, do, do two, two of the biggest studs in, in college. And how's that going to go? So I don't, and maybe you were already thinking he's good enough to be a world champ, but maybe not. Maybe it was like, we've got to get through the season and get there into how. When did you think, Man, this guy's ready to win a world title now or this year or like I believe this kid can win a world title. Was it NCAs? Was it US Open when he finally did it? When it was it World Team Trials? Or when when did when did you think Jordan Burroughs is capable of winning a world title? And I truly believe that. Um, well, the 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 kind of the steps along the way, I I knew that. I knew going into his last year when the all the hype about Andrew Howe, because Andrew Howe was one tough son of a gun boy. Jordan's never really had it easy. There hasn't been like easy path, right? He, he, you know, his sophomore year, he got third to Metcalf. Everyone knows that. Plus there was a ton of other stuff in there. Dustin Slater, there's Palmer. There was a ton of stuff. Chirella. I mean, some tough dudes, man. Yeah. And so, it's never been easy route. So that was Jordan was come off knee surgery and, and, but he, he looked great. He, 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 he got really hungry when he won a national title and then he tore his knee up. And then kind of what you're saying, that next segment was the Andrew Howe thing. Yeah. Cause Andrew Howe was, he he's amazing, man. He, he had a gas tank. And he's going to hand fight. He's going to fight. He's, you know, wrestling's a street fight with rules. And Andrew Howe was going to make it that way. And so we had a lot of respect, but 
I also had been to the world championship in 20, 2010, the USA wrestling weren't, we weren't killing it then. Right. Exactly. If everyone yeah. remembers. And I remember right. going in the back of the warm up there and I watched Sargush. And after he won his world title, he killed the guy in the finals. Dennis Sargush, he was two time world champ at the time. And, um, I, I knew that guy, that kid was special, man. That guy is special. And I said, man, JB can beat that guy. He's got to all go around, right? But I came back and, and I challenged Jordan. I said, JB, everyone's talking about Andrew Howe. But this is the guy you need to beat. This is the guy you need to be practicing and creating an atmosphere in your mind that you can beat this guy next year. And if you do, you know, that's how you're going to get great. Not just thinking about beating Andrew Howe. Not, not that Andrew Howe is going to be easy out at all. It's going to be tough. But this is the guy you need to shoot for. Because your goal is what? Win an NCAA title, make the world team, and beat this guy. This is the guy you got to beat. And you can do it. And so we we watched some film of Dennis Sargush. And... um I just knew by watching the film with JB, he's like, you know what? I can, I can beat this dude. And he just, that's kind of where it started formulating in his mind that I just wanted to get in, in his brain, even though it was a year away from actually doing it, that just start that belief and put that seed in his head. And so that's where really where, where I saw that he started realizing, you know what, I can, I can do it. You're going to have to work hard. You know, you're going to have to, you know, keep developing some of these skills that you've been working on. Right. You got me super fired up right now, Mark. Like just hearing that story is like, that's so cool that you, you rec, you know, from seeing him in the back to planting the seed in Jordan's mind to probably you believing and telling him these things, like the impetus of, very arguably the greatest American wrestler of all time. Uh, okay, first question was, when did you think Jordan was good enough to be to win a world title? I guess next question is, when did you think he could be the great, you know, that, then he maybe he does it. At, at some point, does your mind go to like, this guy could like, chase John Smith. This guy could, you know, his name could one day be up there. Like, were you thinking year to year? Because we know Jordan, right? He's from the beginning. After he won, he said, I want I want to beat Burrow. I mean, John Smith, right? Yeah. Were, was your head there? Or were you more like, hey, we got Olympics next. And then we got 13. And then we got, what, where were you at with all that? I was a little bit more, hey, let's take one step at a time. I think after 2012, though, he he started thinking, you know what? I'm I'm going to hunt John Smith's record down, right? Yeah. Not really hunt John down, but just hunt his record yeah, down. Of course. And you know, we always talked, hey, records are made to be broken. And so someone's gonna do it, whether you do it or not, uh, is is to be seen. But but I think that's where that belief started after twenty twelve. And and uh, you know, I mean, uh it's kind of bold of him to, you know, when Twitter came out, I remember him coming to practice telling me, Manning. All I see is gold is my Twitter handle. I mean, that's, how about that? You had to be like, what? <laughs> that's what? bold. Yeah, that's really bold and really, but he said it so sincerely. And so like, matter of fact, like all I see is gold. And that's where he was locked in. That's, that's when I knew Jordan was very unique from the mindset perspective that he was just locked in. And I'm like, JB, you know, it's at one year at a time, man. And, uh, you know, but once it came to com- competition, you know, he he's locked in. And, uh, you know, there's that, that just, that's, that's how he rolled. That's how he, he continued to just develop. And when, when competition came, he was locked in, he was locked in in his training and he was locked in and, Hey, who do I have to beat? And, and what do I have to do to do it? It was yeah. kind of that mentality. Um, 
this could be a four hour conversation just on Jordan's career, but, but I guess, you know, o- over the years, and I don't, if, if there are uh, examples that come to mind, I'm not expecting you to name names, but did you ever get like people creeping in telling you how to coach Jordan or how to manage or, or maybe like, okay, uh, this has come far enough. Let's, we need to help. We can help him more than Mark can. Did you ever, you know, I'm assuming at some point in time, this, this happened. That's a great question that a lot of people probably don't think about, but absolutely, absolutely. Because once you have someone have success, there's always people around that want to want to jump in and and say, "Hey, well, I can I can show him this, or I can show JB this, or and there's always that that's just part of managing success, I think, you know, and so. I, I knew that was going to be, I'd never been around a guy like Jordan myself either, other than other guys, but I wasn't part of it. Right. And this thing, I was the part of it. Right. And so it, it it's always, it's always kind of unique. I would say it's always unique, but I'd seen it before, but now to live it and actually be involved with it and have it try to coordinate it. it. It's, it's not as easy as, as people think sometimes, you know? Yeah. It, it's not, it, it's not easy because he turned into uh, a rock star in the wrestling world, you know? And Biggest. so then it, it's not, it's managing a lot more stuff than you think, you know, you know, I, I, I just try to always, make sure when, when James and Jordan made world teams and, and, and had success on the world level that they had people around them that were going to guide them financially Mm -hmm. and provide people that were, were uh, really good uh, mentors for them that way. And then just living wise, you know, realtors and people that were going to treat them the right way and, make sure that it didn't take a lot of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Drag them down. So I just tried to surround them with the right people and make sure they made good choices with the people that are, I was putting in front of them, you sure. know, but there's a lot of people that offer advice, right? As yeah. you're going to always have that when people have success. Was there ever a point um, when, because obviously your focus from the time you met him till, that Sargush video you're talking about to the first world championships and is hey, getting this guy ready physically, mentally, what do we got to do to help him win? And then at some point it became, whew, holy crap, there, there's this situation that's bigger than I realized that, that we have to manage, right? Whether it's people offering advice, whether it's, you know, there's a, a crowd so big of that one autographs and he's got to wrestle, whatever it is, right? Was there ever a point where you were like, oh, wow, this is, it's bigger than I realized. And, and this is, this is more than I realized. Was there like a, a specific moment or was it just kind of like a, a natural flow that, that got to that point? It just evolved, Mark, yeah. really. It, it just evolved. And, it, you know, I think uh, people are never shy about reaching out on email. <laughs> sure. So my emails, amount of autographs, and I can't tell you how generous Jay, every everyone knows how how amazing amazingly Jordan is with the crowd, mm-hmm. and that's how he is. You know, I I I had so many emails from people. Hey, could could you have Jordan sign this? Uh, you know, my daughter has leukemia. This this fundraiser, this um, hundreds of them, hundreds hundreds. That 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 was the overwhelming thing is have Jordan sign this. Can you have donate something signed by Jordan this? Can you have Jordan write my son or daughter a note this, all that stuff. And I never like to turn those type of things down. And I'm Jordan's kind of the same way. So I, Hey, JB, you got to do this after practice. We got to, so it, it, it's overwhelming sometimes making sure all those needs are met, but it's just part of, what comes with JB's success and, and um, yeah. So 
that's the stuff that people don't know all the emails and all the requests and phone calls and hey could you help me out with this could jordan sign this it's insane and um I don't really like to turn those type of things down. I'm not made that way. And, right. and JV's kind of made that same way. And so it was always, hey, we got to make sure of this. And then, you know, when he when he married Lauren, Lauren is great at managing that stuff. Uh -huh. So that helped out a lot. But um, and she's still great at it. She's yeah. she's she's a pro at it still now, but managing all that stuff's not easy, you know, and a lot of people want in the wrestling we want not only hear from jb they want him to sign something or donate to a cause or a million other reasons <laughs> yeah i i see him at, at wrestling events that he's not competing at and i just i see the line or mob around him i'm like how the hell is this guy going to get to dinner because he is and he's he's fantastic with with fans and the crowd and he's I, Brian Amazing. Snyder once said he's got a resting pulse of like 40. He's just calm and he'll sign everything and he'll take his time and he's never flustered or short with kids. Or he's just every single person that comes by, he does it. And he's, he's the shining example of, uh, he's just a smooth criminal. I don't, I don't mean, criminal, I mean criminal in a bad way, right? I just like, he's smooth. He's, he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, he's got a great spirit and that's what we all love about JB is he's got a great spirit and he's got a great spirit for people, you know, and that's, that's what we need in America to bring people together. Right. We need yes. more JB. We need more people like Jordan Burroughs. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a great example. Yeah. Um, we're, we got a little bit of time left because there's a couple more topics I want to touch on. Um, We'll just get to like the current state. This year, you guys, man, you guys look great. CKLV, not only did, I guess what I remember about CKLV is you guys having success and winning matches and like, I remember nail biters and like upsets. And then I remember your team like, because they had this raised stage this year and like half your team's lined up on the edge and they're going bonkers and your coaches are going bonkers. And it's like, it, w it was a fantastic showing for you guys. And I don't even know if I have a question. I'm, I'm more rambling on here. Um, just tell me how you feel about this year's team. And, and you know, if you want to touch on Vegas, sure. Yeah, I think we, you know, one, one, we, we got healthy in the month of November, you know, last couple of months in November, we got healthy. Um, and so that's why our performance was good. You, we have a lot of guys that are hungry you know, guys like Brock Hardy, Silas Allred, Lenny, guys that came into our program during COVID and, you know, people forgot about them, but we didn't forget about them. We knew what they're capable of. And um, so I think just bringing our team together, that was a great tournament for us from the standpoint that Liam Cronin was healthy. Liam had a great tournament and, not shockingly taking third we we know he's capable of that or not better i mean he's and so but you have to get out there and do it and so i think that's that was kind of our message going into that tournament just doesn't matter what you're ranked doesn't matter what you're seated just go out there and prove yourself so we just took that mentality and i think uh our guys you know just we have great spirit on our team great culture and, um, you know, they, they work extremely hard like every team does, but just, uh, there's something unique about this team. It's really, really good to see the older guys like Mikey and Peyton leading the way. And then just a lot of good young guys that are, are, uh, fighting their tails off. Absolutely. And your assistants, right? I mean, uh, Snyder and Tervell, uh, and Kokish. Oh, Kokish. Thank you. Um, Three, three of the top assistants in, in the country. So it seems like you're blessed there. There's, they're tremendous. They're great. Very blessed to have them. Yep. Um, and one final topic I wanted to get into is, is, is this Kyle Berwick situation. I know there's the, the internet, the Twitter sphere is kind of going around. Can you just kind of lay out what this situation is and, and your perspective on it? 
Well, it's it's uh, we're we're trying to work with Wisconsin up to the actually right now today. Um, so it's I can't say a whole lot about it other than that. Um, you know that it it really just boils down to this uh, form that they need to sign is NPO form, no participation opportunity form that they have to sign. It's really if someone enters the transfer portal after the date. And that was May 1. So Kyle entered after May 1. The school that you're at, you have, they have to sign off on this form. And so that's what we're waiting for to from Wisconsin to see if they'd sign off on the form for Kyle so he'd be eligible. So thousands of student athletes, we know all about the portal from football and basketball and volleyball and baseball and Every sport, there's tons of kids enter the portal and, um, you know, everyone's eligibility is not affected. So right now, Kyle's eligibility is affected, which is not why people get in to college athletics. You know, you, you don't get in college athletics to take eligibility away. Right. And so uh, we just we're just waiting on that decision and hope Wisconsin does the right thing. And, and I'm not super educated on this, so if I'm if I'm wrong about any of this, let me know. But I believe there was a circumstance where the NCA could have signed off this, signed off on this, and they didn't. And then it kicks to the school. Whether I don't know if it's the the coaches or the yeah. administration, they have a, a second chance to sign off on it. Do you know why the NCAA didn't sign off on it? No, it's it's the rule. Really, the the NCA would have signed off on it if Kyle was in the portal before May one then the school doesn't have to sign off. Uh, once once you go in the portal after that date, um, then the school has to sign off on the form. So really, if Kyle was in before, he would have been good to go. It was out of the NCAA's hand. It go, goes back to the school, and um, they need to sign off on it. So that's really where we're at and hoping the best for Kyle. But – I think uh, we're trying to work with Wisconsin right now, actually, as we talk. I think uh, they're they're in some meetings today. So we'll see where it happens, and hopefully they make the right decision because really, you know, know, opportunities are precious, you know. Um, And so years of eligibility are are, uh, are affected when, when people make decisions like they do. So. You know, when people enter the portal, you know, you should be able to be have freedom right now. That's really how it, the the portal systems worked across the board of all sports and college athletics. So it's almost a free for all. Right. You just enter the portal whenever you want. So, um, yeah, we're just. We're hoping Wisconsin does the right thing. If you know, is it is it. Like who signs off on it within Wisconsin? Is it the administration? Is it uh, the coaching staff? Is it some other entity that I, I'm not thinking of? Yeah, no, it's just their compliance office. Compliance they're, office. they're compliance people. They're, they just sign off on it, take five seconds, boom, they send it in the NCAA. It's Kyle's eligible immediately. Yeah, okay. five seconds. Okay. Yeah, it's a really, very easy concept. Um, we're just... We're hoping they're going to do the right thing. Do you think there'll be resolution? Any, do you have any idea if there will be resolution? No, I don't have any idea. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just, we're just hoping Kyle gets an opportunity to have three years of eligibility left, you know? Mm-hmm. So All that's right. really where it's at. Yeah. Okay. Well, Good luck with that, and we, we'll we'll switch gears real quick into a much lighter note. Um, Kyle Clemens over here taking some notes, waiting very patiently. But I, I think he's probably we got a little game we like to play at the end of our at the end of our shows. It's usually Kyle trying to trying to stump you. So I'm he's gonna, trying I'm, to stump me on wrestling uh-oh. trivia, probably what? right, Mark. It's, it's any kind of trivia. It's up to Kyle. <laughs> he sets he sets the stage. So I'll let him I'll let him run with it. Trying to see. I think most of it's wrestling. Yeah, today it, most of it's wrestling. So we'll see how awesome. you do, Mark. You ready to play Sweat It Out? 
Sweat it out, baby. All right. <laughs> like it. All right. Number one, you won Division Two NCAA titles for Nebraska-Omaha 1983-1985, but you placed fifth in 1984. Who won the title the year you got fifth? Mike Langsley. Uh, uh, Langston. You got a guy from North Dakota State, Minnesota kid. Tough, tough, yeah. tough as nails. From Rosemount. You got it. There you go. (laughs) One for one. Number two, Northern Iowa dueled Nebraska-Omaha, where you competed three times during your three-year career with the Panthers. What was your record against your former team and your former coach during that time? I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) Nebraska-Omaha 2. Nebraska Omaha two, Northern Iowa one. You lost twenty seven sixteen, twenty seven fourteen. Then in two thousand, you won thirty three to six. All right, so you came far right there, huh? Yeah, you did. Yeah, or came we caught them on a down year. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> results are results. You res- resurrected it. Number three, who did Jordan Burroughs defeat during the semifinals of the twenty eleven NCAA championships? The semis. Oh my goodness. Ooh, you're that's pretty tough. That's pretty clever there. That's pretty clever. Well, I beat Caldwell. Caldwell beat Howe in the semis. Uh you know what? Don't know. Stump me. Colt Sponseller, 14 to 6 from Ohio State. Kyle likes to dig deep. Colt Sponseller. All right. Wow. Number good, four. Good question, Kyle. <laughs> Not shocking four. for Kyle. What is Tolly Thompson's hometown? Oh, my God. <laughs> Janesville, baby. Janesville. You got, got it. You got it. All right. I actually have yeah, six I knew, questions. I knew that one. Tolly's a legend there, baby. Yeah. Number five, who is Nebraska's first NCAA champion? Mike Nissen. Yep, nineteen sixty-three. From uh, he's from Iowa, Mason City, Iowa. And then I got a bonus one for you since I was in your wrestling theory class. I gotta make sure I dig it in a little bit more. So, number six, what was the score? What was the score of your match against Iowa's John Heffernan in the second round of the NCAA championships? What year? Um, not John, he- Jim Heffernan. Jim Heffernan. Jim Heffernan, yeah. Jim. Yeah. Oh, hold on. You stumped Kyle. He said. I said yeah, John. He said, I said Jim. He said John. I didn't wrestle John. I wrestled Jim. And Jim. Kyle's Jim Heffernan. getting his trivia wrong. That's not true. Well, it was in overtime. I know that. It was. It was a different scoring system. It was 3-3-2-2. Three, three, two, two. What? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was a guy from Northern Iowa. I wasn't supposed to upset Jim Heffernan. But in my mind, I walk off the mat. I felt like I, di- I did. What, do you remember? I, can I, you give I us felt like I win that match. Absolutely. I, I can remember it to this day. So, What happened? Well, they had, they had a famous coach in their corner. I think that helped. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Hey, wow. one, one last one last thing. You mentioned Randy Lewis and watching him on Iowa Public Television. You guys were roommates in Russia at the World Championships. How did that go? In 2010. That's where I yeah. saw Dennis Sargush in the back. Yeah, how uh, was that? Randy was, was a fine roommate. Fine roommate. His hours are a little bit different than mine, but he was a fine roommate. And and we come All to right. find out, 2010, one of the most important world championships in USA Wrestling history, because that's where you saw Dennis Argouche. And the, the seed yeah. got planted in your head to plant into Jordan's, which blossomed into this, this, this thing we have today, which is amazing. I got a one question. For wrestling theory? So Kyle went to you, went, went to you and I, and Mark, Mark was coaching, I guess, teaching. Is this a real class? Or are you making something like, is this a... No, no we, we all the coaches at the time... I don't think Schwab has to do it now, but <laughs> I had to teach a class, teach a PE class. So we, you, you, you had to teach a 
a class and that class was wrestling theory. And so, you know, wrestling, you know, the popularity of wrestling is big. So there was a lot of kids in wrestling theory class. So we had girls and guys and that, that took wrestling theory and yeah. Was it, was it twice a week, once a week? Wasn't it once a week, Kyle? It was twice a week and you showed up four times the entire semester. Mark did? I yeah. showed up more than that. I showed up yeah. until about about March. Wrestling season. <laughs> later. And then I said, yeah. hey, listen, guys, I don't get paid for this job. <laughs> and recruiting's coming up, the NCAA tournament. And if you come to this, you all get A's. If you don't, you get less than an A. Oh. So I bribed my class. And I came more than four times. Uh, I'm messing with you a little guest bit. speakers in sometimes. I was busier than a one-legged guy in a butt kicking contest. And <laughs> so I would uh I would I would bring a guest coach member. Oh, I'd have I do, Kendrick yeah. come in once in a while. Kendrick I'd, came uh, in quite a bit. Yeah, it was Hamilton. It was, yeah, hey, Hamilton. I filled in. my void there. I, I filled the responsibility. I love <laughs> but it. I did tell him, hey. And then, Mark, you know what their assignments were? Huh. Come to the wrestling duel. You have to show up for the duel. And 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 uh, highly advisable to, to bring a friend. And then you had to write a little, like, one-page paper about what you saw at the duel. What, what interests you? Right? I freaking love it. Professor then, Manning. Professor Manning. And then about March, I was like, this class is over, man. Guys. <laughs> Great to see you, but I'm going to be on the recruiting trail. I'm going to be. <laughs> A's for everyone. And then Kyle just bashed me, probably turned me into the chancellor. Yeah. You know, yeah. Vino Klingman. So I was only there three years. That's right. That's How right. Did... I, I was going to put it on administrative leave for my, <laughs> for my wrestling theory class absences. <laughs> Uh, oh, this is too much. Do you get an A, Kyle? That's how we. That's how we met, Mark. That's how we met. Unbelievable. Yeah. Little did you know, you had like one of the, one of the most highly concentrated brains. That's the most highly concentrated with wrestling knowledge in in the country or the planet, and he just happened to be sitting in in your classroom. <laughs> and I remember going back. You know, I had Tolly and Steve Hamilton. Steve, oh, he's a beauty, man. Steve's awesome, dude, man. Uh, you know, he's a stud, four-time All-American at Iowa State. And he's wrestling guru. And uh, I'd say, man, I got, I get this kid in my class that loves wrestling. I, <laughs> he's like a wrestling geek. He loves it. Asks me all these questions. And he knows everything about wrestling. I'm like, I'm amazed that this guy knows all this stuff about wrestling. I loved it. <laughs> he, he, it, it, it was cool it was really cool it stood was out it was a fun. Stood out to me in this class yeah it was pretty neat it's it's come full circle today here we are awesome man mark this is this has been an absolute blast um and, and I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface on, on some, some topics, just dove deep into others. And, and, and there's a lot more to go. So we'd love to have you back on at some time. We're actually a few minutes o- over time here, but, but it's, it's been well worth it. It's been awesome. Awesome having you on. I always appreciate chatting with you. We're going to give you the last word, though, to say anything you want to say about anything. Oh, man. It's great. Merry Christmas. Have a great year. Awesome. Jesus is born. Perfect. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you soon. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having us on. Go Huskers. Yeah, you bet. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, Kyle. That that was a full and complete show. We ran ran the gamut on that one. We did. That was uh, was fun reminiscing about that. Good good time. And I asked, but there was a bunch of talking going on. You got an A in that class, I'm hoping? I did get an A. I can show you my transcript that I I got an A. I believe you. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Go ahead. Email me that transcript. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Thanks, Kyle. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. That was a great one. We'll see you next time.